Hi Creeps, it is officially New Year's Eve, which means it's time for the third annual New Year's Eve special. So strap the fuck in. <laughs> the girls who cried be horror. Hello, creeps. Welcome to our New Year's Eve special. As I just seconds ago announced, I am, as always, Anya. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex. This is my favorite episode that we do. <laughs> I just think it's so much fun because, obviously, you know. Our main episodes are great because we get to deep dive into something that usually at least one of us hasn't seen, uh, but we don't always love them, so I love to be able to, at the end of the year, be like, these are the five dopest fucking horror movies, you have to see them, and then we get to just spread the word. It's so nice. Yeah, it's like, it's an episode full of, like, just, like, full positivity. It's yeah. like, these are things I like, these are things I love, here's things I'm excited for, and it's just, like, a great way, I feel like, to send off last year in horror and to ring mm-hmm. in what is hopefully another fantastic year in horror in 2023 yeah i don't know this was a really good year i feel like 2023 it was really has good. it has a lot to work up to um i feel like in the past two years not that we're like <laughs> snobby snobby but like <laughs> there have been like i feel like for lack of better of putting it like less mainstream horror releases like we definitely have them in there and as mm-hmm. per usual with the end of the year episode as it's in the last two years if there were any throughout this past year 2022 mini-sodes that we did you know streaming screens big screen scares where we took an entire mini-sode to highlight a 2022 release it will not be featured here because it's already gotten its time in the sun um but you know those tend to be i feel like maybe bigger things and then the end of the year it's like we have some bigger things but then we have these like little gems on shutter blah blah Mm -hmm. blah. and like it felt like there was a lot less this year like we both were like here's like all these big theatrical releases that like were really fucking good yeah i feel like in some way all five of mine are like pretty mainstream films i mean two of them are like more shutter type Mm -hmm. uh but i mean i was looking through trying to pick my movies and i was like I don't want to have all this mainstream shit. I know. You know what? But at the same time, I kind of love it because if the mainstream like studios are making really, really good horror films, yeah, maybe more people will start to appreciate and be interested in love horror the way that we do, because it's, they're able to you know be accessed by so many more audiences than just the horror lovers that are already looking on Shutter and you know all that stuff. Oh my god, no, 100%. I mean, it's yeah. it's the best problem to have, is that, mm-hmm. like, there was too much good wide-release horror. Um, yeah, and it just makes me excited for the year to come, because it, it isn't even like, oh, like, these were all wide-release horrors that, like, flopped. And, right. like, you know, but we secretly love them. Like, pretty much, I feel like most of these, if not all of them, are, like, that release were, like, big-screen releases, like, everybody ate up. And I'm so excited to highlight them and talk about them. Um... But yeah, I guess before we get into it, quick refresher, if this is your, you know, you need a refresher from last year's New Year's or you're new to the New Year's episodes, they're a lot of fun. Um, They are spoiler free, so if you are hesitant to list any further, um, list any further, I can't speak, listen (laughs) any further, um, don't be. All we were doing is saying names of the movies, giving broad feelings as people that hate to have things spoiled for us especially horror movies we would never do that to you guys uh so we're not tricking you they are truly spoiler free episodes um so we will go through we each have um not particularly in any order but five that we've each selected of our favorite horror movies of the year there's definitely overlap so you know things that alex says just because they're not my pick does not mean that they were not also my favorites and vice versa um 
And then after that, we will get into, um, you know, some horror that, you know, not everything can be a winner, but we try to, you know, flip the script and maybe highlight a different movie from the same horror director that we enjoyed and recommend maybe over what we saw this year. And mm -hmm. then to finish it out, to look into 2023, we will be looking at each bringing up a movie that we are so excited to see. Uh, Honestly, and or a few movies. I know. I was like, I have this a lot. is hard to pick. I was like, bitch, I can't say this and not say this. I was um, like, I have like maybe six that I'll just like yeah. kind of like run through. <laughs> I'm just going to pre-select my five for next year right yeah. now. Um, but yeah, so that is the New Year's Eve special. So Alex, um, yeah. do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? How do you want to do this? I'll kick it off. Why not? <sighs> okay. Here we go. Um, but yeah, as you said, I just wanted to mention, because we did a mini sit on Bodies, 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 and that's absolutely what had been one of my picks, if oh, it was same. not, I'm sure, one of yours. So yeah. I just wanted to highlight that very briefly, because it would have absolutely been spoken about. Oh, and this. we also had our Scream mini sit this year, too, for Scream, well, yeah. you know, 2022. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, my first pick for 2022 is a movie that is streaming on Shudder, and it's called Resurrection. Mm -hmm. um it is i mean i think that most if not all horror movies should really be watched as blind as possible but this movie particular i feel like go in with absolutely no idea what you're getting yourself into because it's fucking wild it stars rebecca hall and tim roth uh rebecca hall plays a woman named margaret who has seemingly a really put together excellent life she lives with her 18 year old daughter and a really beautiful um, like condo or it might be a house it's really beautiful mm -hmm. and she has a really impressive job in the power position and a man from her past played by tim roth reappears and opens old wounds and abusive power cycles and she gives a monologue halfway through that kind of is a turning point for the film and it just goes batshit crazy mm -hmm. uh, i think it's one of the most original movies i've seen this year and probably in general because i feel like you can you i've seen a lot of different kinds of abuse put to film but the emotional and manipulative abuse in this is so like i couldn't have like come up with this idea it's so creative yeah. and haunting and just terrifying so i think it's really well made uh, rebecca hall is kind of becoming this like low-key horror goddess between the night house last year and yes. resurrection uh, and I can say she's very nice. I've met her once. She's incredibly tall. Oh, um, you've met her. Yeah, she came to the theater to do a, a Q&A for Christine, the movie where she played Maybe the Maybe you said this anchor. last year when we talked about I think I probably did. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I we've also all, both of us have seen everyone's movies on yes. this, so we're very prepared. Um, yeah, Rebecca Hall, first and foremost, like, yes, is becoming a horror icon. I know that she's obviously been in other things other than horror and was in things and acted before The mm -hmm. Night House. On top of my head, I don't know that I've ever seen her in anything before the Night House, and I really oh, was like, I might have, and it might have just like, like you know, empty cavern upstairs. Um, but I really, obviously, loved her in the Night House, and this too, like, her acting alone, I feel, is enough to warrant at least one viewing of this movie. She really mm -hmm. is so talented, and I'm really excited, just in general, to see what she does with her career. But obviously, as you know, a horror lover, I'd be really happy if she continued to also work in horror. Um, what was really exciting for me, and I literally watched the movie, and I had to stop it, like, seven minutes into the movie, and I was texting Alex. Oh, yeah. Because, like, whatever. It, the movie, once again, no spoilers. Like, you know, you open up, you're meeting the world, you're meeting the characters, she's going about her daily life, blah, blah, And then they have, like, an establishing shot. And it's, um, for anybody that is familiar or is from Albany, New York, which is where I'm originally from, 
there's this establishing shot of like downtown Albany of like the egg. And at first I was like, am I seeing things? What the, was that the egg? And then there's other <laughs> things. There's like the Capitol building, blah, blah, blah. I was like, bitch, this is downtown Albany. And I was like, okay, but who the hell is shooting? Like, why did, I feel like I would have known this if they shot this in downtown Albany or whatever. Like, maybe they really were like desperate for some stock footage and they were like, whatever you come up with first. And they were like, I don't know, Albany. And so whatever, the movie goes on. And it isn't until later there is a scene that takes place, no spoilers for the scene, but it takes place in a department store. And of course I'm watching this and I'm like, damn, that looks like a department store I've seen my whole life. But then I was like, girl, every department store looks the same. Like, come back to planet Earth. And then the characters exit the store and they're outside so we see the exterior of this like mall building. And I was like, holy shit. It was literally the exterior of the fucking, my local mall that's quite literally a two minute drive from my house, the Boscovs. I was like, <laughs> do you know how many years of back to school shopping I did with my grandmother at that motherfucking Boscovs? I was like, wow. Rebecca Hall, thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing the work to put downtown Albany, not even downtown, fucking Colony, New York within Albany yeah. on the map. Um, yeah. So that really made me eat it up. But beyond my little Albany plug, um, yeah, I think exactly what you said, like, I 100% agree with that monologue really does, like, it, it's, like, because I think leading up to that, you kind of have a sense of, like, clearly, obviously, this this guy that's come into her life is causing things to happen. She seems like it's uprooting things in her. Mm-hmm. But up until this point, and it, obviously, you, you watch, and I'm assuming you know to a certain degree, like, I put on a horror movie. But, like, you're expecting much, I feel like, to, for lack of better putting it, something more grounded when yeah, it comes to Yeah, it feels like just a, a drama between two maybe past lovers. And yeah, and like you, you think know it's this maybe guy... a familial thing with like her daughter, who knows? Right, and you think this guy is like for sure probably like scary and a threat, which in itself can be the horror. And then yeah, the monologue happens, and you're just like, "Girl, what?" Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> "Is is she okay?" And then no, bitch, she's not. Um, so yeah, I, that's I think as much as we should tell you yes, and yes. can tell you, I think you should. Oh my downtown Albany girlies, you better get on this shit. Um, support. Uh, and yeah, I guess thank you, Rebecca Hall, for continuing to put out some of our favorite horror of the year. Yeah, we'll see if she can do it again next year. And I'm, I'm fucking rooting for that bitch. Yeah. Um, so, to switch gears to my first select mm. of the year, uh, I am choosing, um, Significant Other. It is, it, I believe it was a straight to Paramount Plus release, so I believe it's still available. Um, if stars uh horror now icon honestly Micah Monroe and um Jake Lacey who I know because I also just finished I just got on the <gasps> Lotus train yeah yes you I know I, I keep forgetting to tell you oh, I haven't watched season two yet but I literally like last night I just finished do you see why I want to punch him oh 100% well I the thing is like I feel like I definitely saw whenever I think of Jake Lacey I always think the first I'm like what is the first thing I ever saw him in and in my head it's girls because he was one of um, was he in girls yeah he played what? one of um Lena Dunham's boyfriends in the show at one point oh um, he was on the office wasn't he I knew that because Bridget yeah, brought that he was up. like um, the young or like the like he's next like the generation gym oh, yeah yeah I liked him in that and I was like I don't want to punch you but then as as he's done more things he just does all the smarmy characters that I want to hit. Well, I swear to God, I feel like there was something before Girls that I saw him in. Because I, I have this vivid memory, I feel like, of like when he showed up on Girls. I was like, oh, I love this guy. I have such a little crush on him. Oh. Um, Or maybe it came on Girls. But then I feel like on Girls, he like, I don't know. He, I feel like he has a little bit of an asshole art. But I only watched Girls once and I don't ever want to rewatch it. So, I never um, finished it. Anyways. 
those are the stars of the movie. And essentially it um, is, the basic idea is it's a couple, they're going on a hiking trip into the woods. So already as a horror fan, you know, you know, and prior to this, it's established to some degree that something is in the woods that is dangerous. So of course we're like, oh, that's couple. And it kind of feels like they might be going through something. Like she kind of seems very like emotionally removed for some reason. Um, and they get into the woods and they have a moment. I won't even spoil this. They have a moment that's like real couple shit of like, oh, like, I don't know if I would call it a fight or whatever, but like, this is going to be uncomfortable. We have to deal with this. And of course yeah. then, because they're like, oh, well, we're fucking stuck together camping in the woods, but also I need my space. There's a little bit of time where they split off from each other. And of course, once again, as horror fans, you're like, girl, there's something in this woods. Don't do this. <laughs> and then from there, it really took me... Because once again, like, I knew to a certain degree, I was like, it's about a couple, they go hiking and something happens to them. That's all I know, all I want to know. And so I went in pretty blind to this as well. And it is just kind of like, I'll say this, I don't love every single thing about this movie. In the way that I think maybe other movies I'm going to select, I'm like, oh my god, brilliant. But I I like a lot of this movie because up until that point, like, you're like, okay, like, I'm getting to know these people, blah, 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 something, it's all going to collide. And it collides, but you don't even see it collide when it happens. So then they kind of play this game with you for a little while of the movie where you're like, something has happened. I don't know what it is, but something has happened. And now I have to guess what was it? When did it happen? Who did it happen to? Mm -hmm. And they really play with your idea of like, like, like really play with it. Where you get to a point where you're like, now I know. And then they go, like, 20 minutes, not even later, and you're like, never mind. I was wrong. I didn't know. Um, And then even from there, you're like, okay, I got it now. I got it. I know what's happening. And then they fucking fully twist it. And this twist was so funny to me, but also I was like, I'm eating this up. Like, I'm, like, kind of like, you know what? Never would have fucking made this choice. Never would have predicted it. I'm kind of just, like, giggling, kicking my fucking feet. Because, like, (laughs) yeah. Um... I really think even though, like, as we said, like, now Michael Monroe is really considered, I feel like, a horror icon in her own mm-hmm. right, um, I really liked Jake Lacey in this. I know that, as Alex was saying, okay. it's kind of hard because he plays these roles now where he, you want to punch him in the fucking neck, like White Lotus, where then you see him and you're like, I can't honestly see it, you. Um, I, tr- I, I, like, I, I don't know him. I haven't heard anything about him. I would like to believe he's a nice man. Um, yeah. But in this role, I was like, <laughs> it, it was just like, I think he honestly expertly combines the like, you know, the first time you see him, the like, okay, sweet, cute guy, man, boy, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And also maybe a little bit of that smarminess at certain He plays points. it so well. He has he, to always it, incorporate it. It blends really well yeah. and I think really usefully in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, it's another one that it's really good to go into blind. Yeah, because it, it will take you. I think at the end of the day, even if you watch this and you're like, you know what, you know, choices it made, it wasn't for me or whatever. It is a movie unless you put it on and you are not in the mind space to watch a movie. Like you will be, I think, you will pay attention the whole time. Like you will follow because you're like, well, I I'm trying to figure out what's happening. Like I have to know. So you will be engaged for the entire experience. Yeah, it's definitely a journey that you go on with the characters, and I yes. also I really just in general enjoy a horror movie that has one kind of setting a couple characters that's it it's just very focused on their relationship the setting around them the eeriness of the woods it's all really really fun and yeah he he does play 
that kind of character so well. But I like to think that, you know, if you're a really smarmy piece of shit in real life, that's not what you're going to get typecast as, mm-hmm. I would hope. So, you know, fingers crossed he's a Like, a nice if you're man. a really smarmy piece of shit in real life, you don't get no one's well. casting you at all because they don't yeah. want to work with you, but... Exactly. But yeah, my, uh, Micah Monroe is incredible. I mean, they're both really, really good in this movie, and it definitely takes some sharp turns that I was not expecting, and I feel like I usually try to figure out the twists ahead of time, and I did not pick up on some of the things that were going to happen here. So, absolutely going blind. It's definitely streaming. Um, yeah, it was a good one. Check it out. It's one of those movies where, like, it, like <laughs> I wish we had done, like, a, sp- a solo episode on it just because I'm like, I need to talk I know. about the things that happened, but I'm like, I know. Oh, I'm like, up. I can't, there's not I'm much spoiling. to say without giving, you, uh, giving it away. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. My second pick is a a big old mainstream film that I feel like most people probably saw, uh, which is The Black Phone. Mm. Or is it just Black Phone? I think it's it's The Black Phone. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Um, Which is based on a short story by Joe Hill, who, Mm -hmm. if you are not familiar, is Stephen King's son. So, you know, that family got some good fucking writing in their blood. Right. Um, It follows... I believe it's set in the 80s or 90s, and it follows... I think it's the kind 80s. Of, is it 80s? Okay. It's just like a suburban neighborhood where these young boys keep going missing and nobody really knows who is taking the children. You know, it's that time where I feel like the 80s were really a big... Oh, I'm sorry. I just checked. It's It takes place in 78. It's the 70s. Oh, even yeah. more. So I think because I feel like a lot of serial killers were like becoming really prolific in the 70s. So that does make sense. Um, you know, all these kids are getting taken and nobody knows who is doing it. You know, they don't have any ideas. This our main character is a 13-year-old boy who is taken by the serial killer played by Ethan Hawke who is terrifying. He wears this mask and sometimes he only wears one piece of it and then he'll wear like a different piece another time so like his all his face is exposed but like his mouth or just like one eye. It's very very weird and scary. Um so this child is taken and He is locked in a room with nothing but a bed and a black phone attached to the wall that he is told does not work. Yet, he continues to receive calls from it, and on the other line are young men, who we find out is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, are the ghosts, the spirits of the children who have come before him and been killed. And Mm. they try to help him, along with his very precocious little sister, who is in the outside world looking for him, try to all save this boy from the serial killer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like when I went into this, I'm very, like, hesitant with ghost kid stuff. Mm. Or just, like, ghosts in general, because I feel like a lot of the jump scares with ghosts, once you actually see them, you're like, that's terrible. I'm not yeah. scared of that. It's awful, especially with kid stuff. But I have to say, the fucking jump scares in this movie really, really got me. And I think... Even when they linger on the actual images of the ghost children, it's haunting. It's really scary. And you, I connected to the living children in this, which is rare for me. You know, I don't fucking like kids. But that <laughs> little girl, that little sister, oh, she says she calls him like a fart knocker or something. And it was so good. Yeah, something like that. Oh, my God. It was my letterbox review, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I think it has a lot of heart, but it's also genuinely scary. I think it's just like really, really well made. Um. It was she directed. says dumb fucking fart knockers. Dumb fucking that fart knockers. Um, and it was directed by Scott Derrickson and written by um, Robert 
see Robert Cargill, who did Sinister. So this is their next collaboration after Sinister, if you have seen that. It is visually a lot less dark than Sinister, um, but, you know, the vibes are kind of the same, where it's like children and death intermixed. But I thought it was really, really well made, uh, so I recommend. And Ethan Hawke is terrifying, and I love him. Yeah, I mean, to once again piggy off that, I think... Uh, Ethan Hawke does a fantastic job. He's also got his Ethan Hawke titties out at certain points. Oh, yeah, he does. Um, which, it was so funny <laughs> because, like, I don't have any feelings truly about Ethan Hawke. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that he's a talented actor. I'm not, you know, he's not one of my my boys that I'm like, I'm going to ride or die for this bitch. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm good for him. Um, <laughs> but literally after I saw the movie, I swear to God, all over TikTok, it was, like, thirst trap, like, like edits. Of, oh, like, that's Ethan Hawke as the grabber. Like, that was his name, the grabber, thank you, yeah. With, like, just, like, when he's, like, sitting in that chair with the mask. Yeah, and yeah, his, like, yeah. legs spread, That's when he's the scariest. Out. I know. And then it's, like, <laughs> these girlies are, like, listen, I know that it's wrong, but, like, I let him grab me. And I'm, like, I can't even judge because, you know, I stay on this podcast saying truly the foulest yeah, shit. But this time, I was not one of those girls. Um, that's funny. I mean, specifically, um, see Robert Cargo. I follow him on Twitter. Um... Because he, I don't read everything he does, but he's in the past, like, had tweets about screenwriting where, like, he'll give, like, you know, like, like, step-by-step advice about certain things, which sometimes I'll, like, take or leave. But I think in general he has a very positive, like, attitude, which is something that's nice, whether you want to buy into it or not, when it comes to, like, being a screenwriter, writing, like, kind of, like, not, you know, beating up on yourself. So I really like him in that platform. Mm -hmm. And thus, and I knew he had written Sinister. He also did the Doctor Strange movies also with, um, Scott Derrickson, um, which don't mean anything to me, but, you know. Anyways, but uh, I'll say, I, I remember when I watched Sinister for the first time, I was like, no. And then I kind of, like, time later, I was like, oh, that's him. And I was like, you know, let me give it another try. And also it's Ethan Hawke. Still no. It's still no. It's not for me. I've never seen Sinister <laughs> 2 because obviously I didn't like Sinister 1. I, I, no. Girl, at some point I probably will. But, like, I'm not I, uh, Sinister 2 is, um, not to, yeah, I know we don't want to be negative on this, but <laughs> Sinister 2 is, um, was probably my least favorite movie that I saw the year it came out. But, I think Sinister has, like, such a great... I think I love everything about Sinister except how visually dark it is. That's my issue with it. But that to say, I mean, so thus far, having seen the Doctor Strange movies, having seen at least Sinister, um, it is my favorite collaboration between Scott Derrickson and um, C. Robert Cargill. I, um, what I really enjoyed about this, and it's something that I've brought up myself on the podcast before, is I love suburban horror. And that's kind of what this is. It's also a very darkly lit movie. Not as dark as fucking Sinister, but they definitely have a color palette when it comes to horror that they like to stick to. Um, But yeah, I I really love suburban horror, and obviously, like, this being, like, literal kids, like, in their neighborhoods getting snatched off their bikes. Not that I'm like, yeah, rah, 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 but, like, obviously, (laughs) those things are what speak to me as a horror fan, as I said before, because I grew up in a very suburban neighborhood. I lived in the same house my whole life, like... So when I think of my childhood or things like that, like, those are things where I'm like, and so if something was to be scary to me, it wouldn't be, like, something that took place in, like, living in the city in an apartment. It would be, like, living in a home, like, on a fucking cul-de-sac. Like, that's fucking scary to me. Um, So that really worked well for me. Um, And honestly, I don't know if it was just, like, maybe going in just, like, really wanting to love and or um, seeing it in a theater, obviously in the dark, but, like, there were definitely moments that gave me chills. I think, honestly, what gave me chills, not to not name anything specific, also, I don't even know if I would remember anything specific, mm-hmm. um, off the top of my head, to avoid spoilers, but, um, 
I think it's because it, it centers around children, and there's obviously moments in the movie, I mean, you know this before you go in, that, like, this guy grabs children, he hurts them, he kills them, he's got a new one in his fucking trap now. Um, there's moments, obviously, with these conversations between living children, ghost children, whatever, like, and you get information revealed to you, and I, they don't really do anything from my recollection except for heavy-handed, where they're like, and now we're going to, like, try to visually disturb you, or, like, right. tell you, like, word for word what he did to them. And I think a lot of times we talked about before, that's almost more effective, like not saying or showing all those things, because then you're you you're thinking about it. That's the point. You're just to think about it. And then you're like, Oh my god, like, what did he do to those kids? Or like those kids yeah. like and you start really thinking about the real world of it all. Like those kids would like never see their families again. They would never grow up like and that really like affected me. I was like, Oh my god. Like so of course I'm like getting these chills and like, let this boy go. <laughs> you have to fight, bitch. Um so those aspects all worked really well for me for the black phone. Give me your um, to move on from dead children. I know, guys, don't cry. Do we have um, to? Mom, please, <laughs> can we keep the dead kids? Um, I'm going to move on to a film that um, also was a wide release um, from a director whose films I have seen prior and liked and also not liked. So I didn't really know how I was going to feel about this, and I enjoyed it. I actually saw it with... Was it just me and her? Yeah, I saw it with Cornelia. Um, right. It was a good time. Is Ty West's X, um, which came out earlier this year. Um, it takes place also in the 70s, 79. Yes. Um, nice. And it follows, um, just briefly, it follows a film crew that is shooting a porno. Um, they have a rented or booked or whatever. They're using this space on this old farm, and they're, like, doing it out. There's, like, the big farmhouse, and there's, like, a little cabin further back on the property that they've rented um, to shoot the porno in. And, like, an old couple that's kind of really, really old and kind of really scary. You know how horror movies love to be, like, old people are the fucking scary. <laughs> um, that are living in the house that kind of keep to themselves, blah, blah. So that's, like, kind of the premise. And then um, as the movie goes on, um, and I won't even spoil this because from what I recall from the trailers, they didn't tell you anything. Yeah. Um, so I really don't want to spoil this for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, but it's a slasher. So of course then members of this film crew and such start getting sliced and diced, bitch, on this like old, like, where the fuck is the goddamn farm? Oh, Texas. Oh, it's in rural yeah. Texas. I mean, I think they shot it in New Zealand. Um, from oh, what I know that. or what I thought I heard but it's supposed to take place in Texas um, so there's like a fucking swamp out back like it's, it's like literally an old barn like yeah, all it's very shit. far from civilization um, but yeah so truly what works the best I mean also some of the stars are um, Mia Goth who in her own right is becoming a horror icon um Jenna Ortega, or Icon Certified. Oh my god. Um, Brittany Sano. She really steals the show, I have to say. No, deadass. Brittany Sano is the best part of the whole fucking movie. She's like, so good. I love these other girls, but like, yeah. Brittany Sano shows up and you're like, okay, Brittany. Nice to see well, you. I think because like, Mia Goth is technically our lead as Maxine. Yes. And obviously, we went in with Jenna Ortega on the brain being like, I love Jenna Ortega. Yes. So when Brittany Snow kind of just shows up and is like, bitches step aside I was taken aback I was like oh is this the Britney show hour I didn't realize I know girl yeah. um I love Britney Snow <laughs> I mean she's been in horror before she's been in um yeah Prom Night Remake Prom Night Remake Truth or Dare that fucking mm. Truth or Dare yeah 
No. Blumhouse's Chicken no, Dinner? It was, no, no, it was Would You Rather. That's why. Yes. Would you rather. One of those oh fucking God. game name yes, yes. stupid things. Um, so she's a horror girly in her own right. All these horror girlies getting their fucking paycheck. <laughs> um, but I really, what I like about this movie is like, what I'll say about it is like, it doesn't reinvent the wheel in terms of slasher. Um, and I know some people that it wasn't even for them in terms of slasher. Like they felt like it didn't do enough or blah, blah. Um, and I, I'm sure once again, once again, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I really, you know, on top of having all these horror girlies, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really the vibes. And I know that I'm not someone that's always like vibes over plot, vibes over character, blah, blah. And I'm not even saying that I am now, but like, yeah, the vibes are just so good. You're like, yeah, this like grungy, like old, like rundown Texas farm where they're shooting like a fucking porno in the 70s, like it's just good like fun vibes like you don't mm-hmm. get movies like that all the time in that setting so it's like yeah and people are certainly dying there's some really fun deaths in the movie um and you know there's definitely twists in the sense of like if you go in fully blind to like who's doing the killing and why and blah blah, blah. and like and not everything is answered in the movie i think for certain reasons which i'm sure we will discuss very very shortly um but yeah, I you know, it has since become a part of a I guess soon to be completed trilogy. Yeah. Um, this, even though it came out first, it's the center film of the trilogy, yes. um, which is interesting. Um, I know. But I guess I like that. You know, well, when I think about it, I'm like, damn, like, has there? I don't want. I didn't want to say like that's never happened before. But I even think of like you think of few shit like Star Wars, like the original Star Wars. When you think about it, they were the the middle of the the franchise because after that, then came the right. prequels. And then after that came, like, the newest trilogy with fucking Daisy Ridley and all that shit. Um, well, Fear Street kind of did that because the first film right. is to lead up and then they go back in time in the 80s. And then even though they do go back in time in the 1600s in the third film, it's only for part of it and they wrap back up yeah, taking where the first film left off. So in a sense, the first film is the middle film. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Okay. I like yeah, look at into these this, series. This middle firm, middle child syndrome is coming <laughs> through, girl. Um, but yeah, so I really love X. It has like a fun. I remember like also like I don't know. Sometimes I not that it's like anything that's like his huge stakes for me, but like sometimes when you watch a movie and you're like, okay, and then like fucking cut to black credits start and they have just like a banger of a fucking song. Um, I'm like, oh. <laughs> damn and that happened here in x and i'm so like then i'm like walking out of the theater and i'm like you know if i was ever on the fence like this song's pushing me over like why am i, I gonna it. lie um but yes i was an x fan which i know that some people preferred the film that then was released after it which is actually a prequel i liked both of them i honestly think that i was more of a fan of x which i feel like is like great. the not common way to be well, they're very um, different films though they are very different. You films. really can't compare them. But yes, I, I'm an ex girly. Yeah, I, I mean, I really, really liked X as well. I mean, as we said, no spoilers. And you mentioned how you don't really know who, like, it's a slasher, but you don't really know what's going to happen based on the trailer. It's not a mystery in the film. Like, it's pretty explicit. No. Like, what's happening when you're watching it. Um, but to keep that mystery, I will not speak further on that. But yeah, it has such a good vibe. It's it, it, like, really feels like the 70s, which I appreciate. It mm. kind of was, like, that Boogie Nights energy of, like, everyone is just, like, fucking and smoking and chilling and listening to music. No one's wearing a bra. No one's wearing shoes. It's just vibes. Um, the soundtrack 
is amazing. And I do love that, like, I think the first maybe 40, 45 minutes is just kind of, like, a fun road trip, like, vibe with, like, all these couples and, you know, friends fucking each other on camera. And then Well, there's once... definitely Texas Chainsaw in Oh, absolutely. Well. Because, yeah, yeah it, because once it shifts, it becomes, like, a very different atmosphere. And it's very haunting because also everything happens once the sun goes down. Yeah. And it is very much like a Texas Chainsaw type house. Um yeah, it gets pretty creepy, and yeah, it's great. And I think the main thing that I love about X, which I w- we will talk about, I think, later, uh, is that, as we said, Mia Goth is the star who plays Maxine, who is, you know, the new up-and-coming porn star. Her whole thing is that she's a star, baby. And uh, she also plays the elderly lady who lives yeah. at the house because the two people who own the house are an elderly couple. The woman's name is Pearl. And Mia Goth also plays Pearl in full prosthetics, which I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Tit plays into the next film that comes in. But yeah, X is dope. X is so much fun. I think it's on a streaming service currently. Um, X is on Showtime. If you have Showtime, Showtime. feel yes. free to give it a stream. It's very, very good. I really enjoyed it. I am similar with Ty West. When I love his films, I love them. And when I don't care for them, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, really I was a, it, but... you know, House of the Devil fan. Yes, um, we watched that on two year, two or three years ago. We watched we that our, together, yeah. I know, when we had our nice little Halloween weekend. Um, yeah. And then The Innkeepers, not for me. Wasn't for me either. Um, Can you spell how you spell Peter Alexis? <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, it's a beautiful segue for my yes. next film. Because, as you said, you preferred X of the two films. I prefer Pearl, which is the prequel to X and my next pick. It is obviously also written and directed by Ty West. It is the second film in the uh, the series that will be completed, I believe, next year uh, in the film Maxine with three yes. X's. Maxine. Um, yes. yes. I did not see a release date, and I think it's still in pre-production, but they shot X and Pearl pretty much at the same time. And I think they wrote Pearl and shit like while they were making X. Probably. and Because I want to say that Mia Goth, did she help write it? I'm going to look at the fucking credits. Did she? Oh, that's beautiful. She, well, she produced it. Why did I... No, she also wrote it with Ty West. Wow. Her and Ty that's West are awesome. writers. Amazing. I love that. Um, because at the end of X, at the end of the the credits, you get a big, like, old-timey Hollywood, like, trailer for Pearl, and nobody knew it was coming out. So it was, like, a big thing. Like, what the hell is this? They're already dropping another film. Uh, and Pearl is set in 1918. It follows... The character Pearl from X, played by Mia Goth when she was essentially the same age that Maxine is in X, probably in her like early 20s. Uh, she lives at this Texas farmhouse with her parents, her father, who is uh, wheelchair-bound and cannot take care of himself, and her mother, who is kind of just dejected from life. You know, She's realized that her hopes and dreams are just that. They're not ever going to come to life, so she tries to instill that in her daughter to be more realistic and you know, get these dreams of being a dancer and a movie star and, you know, out of your head because you need to take care of this farm and take care of your father and and me. Um, But Pearl has big dreams. She wants to go to Hollywood and be a star. She really believes in herself. She has a lot of confidence. She's also a strange fucking girl. And when, when things maybe don't go the way that she expects them to go, she makes some choices. And... I think there's a huge difference between X and this movie, whereas, like, X is definitely a slasher film. 
it has an ensemble of characters that one by one get picked off and it is very much in the same kind of vein of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre whereas Pearl is way more of a character study where you just follow Pearl everywhere you're going she is in every single scene you are always with her and it's giving you context that then makes X a more clear film I think I, I really was happy to rewatch X after watching Pearl because it gives you so much um like foundation for X um and it's really fun and Mia Goth's performance I know that In the Pearl? Oscars yeah. do not fucking ever recognize horror performances but her performance as Pearl was incredible and it has the best credits since Call Me By Your Name if you ask me I could watch those credits on oh, loop yeah for I just it's I so think they're great. better than Call Me By Your Name girl yeah but you know I'm a Call Me By Your Name stan I um, know um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and also fun fact for anyone who doesn't know, for Halloween everybody was being oh, yes. either Maxine or Pearl, and I was like, you know what? Why no? Why not both? So I Poor did Kim that. Like, those girl. Yeah. So I did that split shit where like half my face was Maxine, half my face was Pearl, half my outfit was Maxine, and nobody knew who I was at the Halloween party I went to. But in my heart, I knew what I was, and all my horror bitches knew. We shared it. You might have all have seen it if you follow Alex on Instagram, oh, yes, or if I also shared it on our podcast Instagram on our story. Um, she looked amazing. I was gagged. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, of the two, X and Pearl. In Pearl, Mia Goth is absolutely giving a better performance. Oh yeah, because it's her is not film. bad in X. And to be fair, she's doing two performances in X, where she's yes. doing one in Pearl. Um, but yeah, I think it's beautifully shot. It, mm-hmm. it looks great. I think he really leans... I mean, both X and Pearl, I think he really leans into the style of the time the movie is supposed to take place. Like, it, yeah, it feels very 70s and X. And, like, you know, I, I saw people comparing, um, like, the cinematography of Pearl. Like, there is very, like, um, what the fuck do they say? Like, Wizard of Oz, almost. Yeah. Like, with the It coloring. feels very old Hollywood. Yes. Glamour. Um, and I really appreciated that. Um, it is really interesting to see, obviously, this character that, like, you don't really get a, I guess, I guess I don't really get a lot of depth to her in X. No. Like, you get obviously all... certain aspects of her, but it's like, it's, you don't have really any real reason or explanation is like, why does she feel this way about certain things or blah, blah, blah. And then Pearl, like, they kind of clear all of that up. Um, but Which yeah. is why I think rewatching X after makes it like a richer experience because so many of the things that she says and does make so much more sense once you've seen her background. Yes. You know, um, and yeah, I uh, something that actually I I thought I read and I'm just looking it up now and I'm pretty sure I've confirmed it. But if anybody looks this up and tells me I'm wrong, I'll fucking listen to you. But I thought I read an article, might have been a fan, or maybe somewhere else, that um, Tandy Wright, who plays Ruth, who is Pearl's mother in Pearl, um, she's a New Zealand actress, which they shot in fucking New Zealand. Right. What's crazy is Tandy Wright worked on X. She worked as the intimacy coordinator on X. Oh, that's cool. Because obviously in X they're doing like simulated yeah. sex and blah, blah, blah. I know that's a thing that like is becoming much more common practice in Hollywood. And I think it's a great thing because it's like, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Whether you're an actor or actress, whatever or not, like to have to be naked and all the things with people, like, yeah, like you need to feel comfortable. You need to have those boundaries set and like having somebody there that that's their whole job to make sure that goes well, I think is great. And I can't remember everything from the article, but then she ends up being in Pearl as Pearl's mother, which is so funny how it's like she has her hands behind the scenes in a very important aspect of X mm-hmm. to then come in and play 
to be a very important role yes. in Pearl. Um, so I just thought that was a fun fact I would share. Um, but yeah, Mia, I mean, the reason to watch Pearl beyond, even if you don't give a fuck about X, even if you didn't see X, like, and you don't want to see X, that's fine. You have to watch Pearl, as you said, for, like, Mia Goth's performance because it's, like, it's off the rails, it's unhand, but, like, not in a way where it's, like, we're all kind of, like, secretly laughing at her. Like, that was crazy bad. It's, like, no. Like, you have to, you kind of have to accept very early on in the movie that, like, the character is unwell. Like, she, not everything is wired quite She's very complex. She's very complex. She wants what she wants. She will not bend on that. And if she feels like she's not getting what she wants or getting a fair chance of what she wants, mm-hmm. you will know, and you might feel her wrath. Like, yeah, she has a lot of emotions, and yes, yeah. I mean, there's uh, similarly, I guess, with Rebecca Hall's monologue, which is a very, very well acted scene. There is a scene in Pearl where she, I, I, the camera stays on her, and she just gives such an emotional monologue, and it's it's funny at times and it's like heartbreaking and it's scary it's great she's she's really wonderful it's one of those monologues where yeah you're hanging on every word Mm. but she's giving it to somebody and the whole time she's delivering it to that other person you are just so worried for them (laughs) you're like i'm praying this goes as well as possible for you because i don't feel good about it yeah um but yeah, I mean, perfect companion pieces. I Absolutely. mean, I feel like it's rare, I mean, to get from the same horror director within the same series, like, two movies in one year. But obviously, yeah, substantially, they shot them at the same time, whatever. Yep. But then for both of them to be, I feel like both of these were pretty well received. Um, and we both liked both of them, which is also not always the case. So I count that as a big win for 2022. Huge win. Absolutely. Um, On to my next select, which was... Let me tell you, this was, like, I feel like a big word-of-mouth movie. It got a wide release, but, like, I remember when I saw the trailer for this in theaters, like, the trailer gives you fucking nothing. Like, nothing. And I only saw the trailer, like, twice. Like, it was not playing, I feel like, in front of a lot of movies. Like, to the point where I was, like, Roberto was, like, talking to me at one point about it before it came out. He's, like, trying to describe the movie to me. I was, like, I was, like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this movie. Like, I was, like, are you making this up? He's, like, telling me saw the trailer. I was, like... Where? Where did you see this trailer? Like, what are you talking about? And then when we finally got deep in the conversation, I was like, oh, are you talking about, like, the Barbarian trailer? <laughs> he was like, yeah. I was like, I had no fucking clue what you were saying this whole time. Um, I was to say, my third select is Barbarian. And there, this is going to be quick, because there's really not a lot I can say you about can't, the movie. You can't, yeah. Because, as I said, when I, when I said, like, oh, like, X didn't give you a lot from the trailer, like, Barbarian gives you nothing. So all I will say, and once again, this is all things you would see in the trailer. A woman shows up to an Airbnb in the middle of the night. She's going to stay there. She's a woman alone. And when she gets there, somebody, a Mr. Bill Skarsgård, creepy-ass fucker. Yeah, he's so creepy. Is, uh, peace and love, I love Bill, though, too. I love the Skarsgård family. <laughs> um, opens the door because he's also booked this Airbnb, and he's also going to stay there. So, womp womp, what a silly, goopy situation, but of course, anybody with a brain in their head, especially a woman, knows that that's all scary. And what do you do? And then she decides to enter the house, and we'll figure it out from there. And when I tell you, (laughs) from the second she enters this motherfucking house, you are on your toes, you don't trust anything, 
You are so nervous mm-hmm. the whole time. You're like, that other shoe is going to drop and it's going to be crazy. And they build it and they build it. And you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And anything you think is going to happen. Like, because here's the thing. They build it, they build it, they build it, they build it. You are, like, guessing everything under the fucking sun. And they're giving you crumbs the whole time. They're, like, giving you little breadcrumbs. You're, like, oh, my God. They're adding on. They're adding on. They're adding on. You're, like, when this shit goes off, like, it's going to be bad. Like, and you will never, even me and Alex, who have seen, I feel like, every kind of fucking horror movie under the sun. And I feel like I'm correct in saying this. Neither of us predicted. No, I, I, I knew. You knew? Oh, of course I knew. Bitch! Well, Alex is insane. Don't take Alice for example. She's, she's an insane person. Um, well, the only reason I knew is I'm very vague here. It's very similar to another horror film that I'm a big champion of. So yes. I was already had that in my mind of like, I could see it going this way. And then when it did, I was like, yes, bitch. Yes. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's obviously a- I didn't get all of it. But like, no. I had the idea of what I thought it was going to be. And I was it's like, a film, the film that you're referring to is also a film that I have also seen. It's a... Yes little easter egg for anybody that cares it is a film we've covered on the podcast um and even have seen that i mean alex is built different like truly she is built different i'm a psychopath um i think anybody else you're watching this and you're you're never gonna fucking guess and then once they do the big like what bam it's it's fucking insane from there because like the the choices they make and here's the thing about barbarian it's funny it's intentionally funny. It's not, like, yeah. funny where, like, people go to horror movies and they, like, obnoxiously laugh through the whole fucking thing and ruin mm-hmm. the experience for everybody. Like, it's actually meant to be funny. It is, like, a perfect horror comedy in my mind because a lot of – I love horror comedies. I champion horror comedies a lot. But even still, a lot of times horror comedies, they very much lean one way or the other. Like, it's, like, you know, it leans very comedy where then, like, the horror either doesn't really work or, like, oh, it's there, but, like, it's kind of much more of a comedy or vice versa where it's, like mm-hmm. – it's very horror, like, there may be a joke, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm not laughing. Where, like, this, I feel like, is perfectly balanced, where you're, like, and it has to be, because it goes, like, off the fucking rails crazy. And I saw it in theaters, also with Cornelia, we had a great time, we were also the whole time, like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and then we rewatched it at our Friendsgiving, so I got to see it twice. Oh, so, wow, what a movie. Yeah, we watched it, and so, like, half of us in the room had seen it, and the other half hadn't. Um, uh, my friends, uh, Rachel and Shannon, they had not seen it. When I tell you, and Rachel's a dog, and that's his house we're at, Shannon is screaming. I can imagine how terrified Shannon was. We're watching it in broad fucking daylight, mind you. Like, the windows are open, the sun is up, like, and, <laughs> like, when Shannon, and the thing is, like, she's not even screaming because anything on the screen is happening. She's screaming because she's so fucking nervous. Like, yeah. the whole lead-up period, I'm yeah. talking about the beginning, she's, like, standing up. She's pacing around there. She's like, no, no, no. Like, to the point where the dog was so freaked out that, like, we had to keep pausing the movie because the dog was, like, whimpering. Oh, and I was like, <gasps> because the dog is, like, reading this energy in the room that's like, yeah. is someone going to die? What's going on? It was just, like, such, like, chaotic energy. And then it was so funny because we watch it. Like, so glad we got to traumatize everybody on Friendsgiving, which was regular Thanksgiving. And then Shannon texts us the next day. She's like, is it crazy that I'm watching Barbarian again? And something to say about <laughs> Shannon, I love her. Shannon is not a horror movie watcher. Like, I don't think she's someone that's like, I don't like horror movies. But, like, she'll, like, if like, she doesn't seek them out. Like, she doesn't go to horror movies. She's not a horror movie fan. So for her to f- watch Barbarian, be so fucking freaked by it, and the next day be like... I have to watch this again. I was like, well, maybe she was able to actually, like, watch those scenes instead of just panicking the whole time. Oh, she she watched it because she loved it. She was like, well, now that I know everything, like, I want to watch it again knowing everything. 
And we thought she was joking until we, like, saw her again. She's like, no, I literally watched it again the next day. And we were I like, that. wow, that's what a testament. But, yeah, Justin Long is in it. Yes. As well, Bill Skarsgård. I want to say um, the lead actress, let me pull her name here, because she does a fantastic job. Um, her name is Georgina Campbell. Um, she was also in another movie I saw this year, which is, I guess, just, like, horror adjacent, as people consider it horror, um, called All My Friends Hate Me. Um which is also an interesting film. If you're interested in that, it's streaming on Hulu and Canopy. Um, but I saw her, I was like, oh my god, Miss Barbarian. Um, but yeah, it is it is an, a one-of-a-kind experience. I think what I'll say broadly is in a similar way that we covered um, Malignant. Yeah. And obviously we okay. compared Malignant to other past movies, but something about Malignant, I was saying this, I think, maybe to Cornelia Mutter or someone, where I was like, what I really like that we were getting with Malignant we're getting with Barbarian, which are getting theatrical releases, is, like, as horror fans, like, me and you watch a lot of these, me and Cornelia watch a lot of these, where it's, like, you go, you dig down, whether it be the 80s, whatever, like, a lot of the 80s, where you find these, like, kind of, like, lesser known or whatever, just, like, truly kind of, like, batshit horror, where you're just, like, and, and you watch it sometimes, you're, like, they would never do this today. Like, no one would be crazy enough, or, like, no one would be bold enough, or no studio would green light this shit to get made, and that's so sad, because, like, fuck like yeah maybe it's not perfect maybe it's not like you know expertly written although barbarian i think is really great um those are not things i'm saying about barbarian but i'm like but it's so fun like they just like they they make a choice and it's an insane choice but they go full force into it and that's what i think malignant did and that's what i think barbarian did and i really like that coming back and i'm really excited to see more horror movies doing that in the future yeah i think with both malignant and barbarian um i think it's very evident that there are certain B-horror films that are heavily, in, this film's heavily influenced by, and that would not exist without that original source material to at least it spark the idea of it, because it is such, like, a wild, crazy thing that I'm so glad they're bringing into the mainstream in fucking 2022. It's amazing. I'm so glad that you picked Barbarian, because low-key, <laughs> when I was going through my list of films, my eyes must have skipped over it, because I picked my five, sent it to you, and then you sent me yours, and I was like, why didn't I pick Barbarian? What's wrong with me? That would have been, like, I, I was surprised when you didn't pick it. I was like, oh, I think you should pick Barbarian, but I guess I get to pick it now. Well, I, yeah, it's, I fully just, like, missed it when I was going through, because it was, like, number four, and I just, like, skimmed over it by accident. And I was like, fuck. Well, at least I get to talk about it anyway. So, yeah, big, big fan of Barbarian. Um, Yeah, don't want to give any info away. But, yes, the first section of the film is just so stressful. There's just so much, like, tension, and you don't... I love a movie where you don't know who to trust. You're like, is this person a bad person? Is this person a good person? I don't know what to believe, what not to believe. Um, and then, obviously, things unravel. And there's, like, a, a really excellent, like, cut to when Justin Wong's character joins. And yes. it's just, like, the vibe is, like, a full 180, and it's so funny. And he has probably one of my favorite scenes in horror this year i won't say what it is but it's the funniest scene i it's, i think it's the funniest scene in the movie this year which is amazing that it came from a horror film right um yeah it's fucking batshit it's really campy and i think that also helps with that horror comedy balance because the yeah. horror while being very very scary at times is also incredibly campy and over the top and like meant to be silly at times so i think it blends so seamlessly where like sometimes when a job joke land doesn't land in a horror film because you're like i'm too tense to laugh this is kind of just like all over the place intermixed it's wonderful 
And that just and it's on... is just that because yeah, the 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 um the emotional like over-encompassing like, feelings coaster. of those scenes are so different that when they cut to Justin Long, like your jaw is still on the <laughs> fucking floor. You're like, I'm sorry, wait, what? what? Yeah. Like, oh my god, it's so, it's one of those movies where like as I said when we were watching it on Thanksgiving, there was a part of me it's like I'm loving it and I'm so it's so nice because there's a few of these movies. It's on my tops, even movies that weren't horror this year, that I rewatched on my tops of the years, and I rewatched it. I'm like, oh, well, thank God, it's still, I still like it, and I wasn't delusional mm-hmm. as fuck when I saw this. Um, but that was one where I was like, okay, confirming once again, great fucking movie. Honestly, maybe better than I thought it was even originally, and I liked it originally. But I was like, fuck, honestly, I wish I could fucking go back and like not have seen it again. I know, so I can see it again for the first time because it's so good. So truly, this is one of the ones that you happened to miss somehow this year. Oh my God, honestly. You're in for a treat that you missed it, and you get to experience the first time. It's on HBO Max, so r- run, literally run, don't walk, and watch this tonight. Especially if you still got family in town for the holidays, make them all fucking sit down for your New Year's Eve, and ring in the New Year as you should watching Barbarian. Wow, yeah, I support that. <sighs> all right, my fourth pick. You're so close. Oh my gosh, um, is again a very big mainstream film. Uh, that the trailer was everywhere for, and I just in general have kind of stopped watching horror trailers as much as I possibly can because I find that a lot of times they give way too much away. They give a lot of the kills and the the jump scares away, and I want to go into a movie and fully experience the film having never seen any of it. So I had seen the teaser for this film, and then Greg happened to watch the full-length trailer before a movie, and he told me there's a jump scare in this trailer that is so original and creepy you can't watch this trailer i can't allow you to watch it before you see this movie so i avoided it i didn't even know who was in the movie aside from the the lead actress um so when i watched it it was a journey and that movie is smile not blumhouse's truth or dare which it wishes was smile oh yeah Um, no smile is a movie also i watched the trailer after i watched the film and i have to tell you the trailer is trash so if you watch the trailer and we're like, that movie looks fucking awful. That's a valid response because that trailer was bad. That's how I felt when I saw the yeah. trailer. I was like, oh, it's the movie. Be the movie is very good. Um, it is about. It's how do I even describe the movie? Um, I know. Essentially, the our lead act, our lead um, character. Her name is. She's uh, Kevin Bacon's daughter. Yes, she is. She is, and uh, Kira Sedgwick. Yes, daughter. Um, yes, her name is Rose. She is a doctor at a mental health facility, and. She has a patient come in who has just witnessed a suicide. She is terrified. She is traumatized. This is all in the trailer. Um, and she's telling her, please help me. There is something, this entity, that something that is coming for me. It can be anybody. It can be anywhere. But nobody else can see it, just me. And it's smiling at me. And then suddenly she screams, throws herself to the ground. And when Rose goes to call for help and looks back, the girl is just standing there smiling at her in this very haunting way. And... I think it's I think it's implied in the trailer what happens here because you it's like five, I'm gonna say because it it's like five minutes into the movie it's not a spoiler the the girl kills herself which then passes the entity onto Doctor Rose who now will go the rest of the film seeing things hearing things and trying desperately to figure out what is this entity coming for me. How can, how can I trace back the history of it to see if maybe somebody has escaped it how, so that I can know how to escape it? And it's bringing up past traumas in her life from her childhood. Uh, you know, she's it's that thing of, like, 
looking for help and nobody will give you the help that you Mm -hmm. need. No one will believe you. Um, And so while I think it is very much a movie that is, the scares are based in how creepy all of the like smiling entity forms that it is. And there's a crazy third act that like the effects are insane. Unlike anything I've seen. Yeah. Um, And some great jump scares. It is very much rooted in speaking about mental health and trauma and how frustrating and difficult it is when nobody believes you and they just you know label you as crazy um so i think while it is a very scary and effective film it also has a much deeper meaning about you know how to treat people and how to listen to people when they're saying that something is wrong yes i found it very powerful no, I agree. I mean, I, when I saw the trailers, I thought that, yeah, it was going to be dumb. Uh, you, know, you could only help but think of fucking yeah. Blumhouse's Truth or Dare, which I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of. Um, but, and I, uh, yeah, but it, it, I know Alex went and saw it, and she was like, it's really good, and I saw other people think it was good, and I was like, well, I was going to see it no matter what. So I dragged Miss Cornelia with me, and we went to see Smile, and yeah, we liked it. Um, it... I, I wouldn't say the smiling, like, when you think of, like, Truth or Dare, when they had, like, the crazy, like, faces, CGI like, it smile. looked fucking awful. Where, like, yeah. this movie, like, there might be a little bit of CGI smiling, but, like, the smiling is, like, looks pretty natural. It's just, like, try to make the biggest smile you can on your face right now. Like you, But, you like, look, have dead eyes. <laughs> yeah, you look fucking creepy as hell, and that's what they do. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, I always think of Miss Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, what is the movie about? It's about trauma. <laughs> it, um, is trauma. It, it really is yeah. like fully like i know in theory like for most horror movies you can really link it all back to some way if you really try to like it's about trauma but like this is literally like fully like yes and even so i think like there's some movies especially like if they're like like i guess like lower budget but still wide release which i feel like honestly are like some of the worst like the things essentially the studios are just like pushing out to have something in a theater um and it's usually horror movies a lot of times I feel like they, because it's not usually that well written, like, it's like, oh, like, a bunch of, like, cheap jump scares, bad effects, blah, blah, But, like, we have to have some semblance of an effort of a story. So, like, one character, yeah, you'll give them, like, some, like, tragic scene, like, a scene where they're like, yes, and, like, this is, this is all truly because, like, my mom never loved me growing up. Yeah. And it's just so bad, and it's so forced, and you're like, just you're not getting, in. like, a yeah. fucking, like, gold star for, like, wow, what are layers to the story? Like, it's just bad, and, like... So there was a party that's like, oh, God, are they going to try to do that here? And, like, they don't. They do give you that story. They give you, like, backstory and trauma and things that are bleeding over into current relationships and blah, blah, But it's the whole story. Like, that's what it's centered on. It's not, like, some throwaway fucking, like, you know, moment that we're like, yeah, remember that or whatever if you need greater meaning. It's like, that's what the movie's about. And, I, yeah, I mean, we have um, your love. Kyle I Gallner know Kyle Gallner. I love him. Um, and I also love Cal Penn. Gotta say that. I once again we were in the theater and Penn. Cornelia recognized Cal Gallner, and I was like, "Well, it's the goth kid from Jennifer's Body." And then I was telling her, "I was like, well, Alex loves him. Um, he's a horror icon, girl. Like, he is Hoskin, Connecticut, the fucking remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he's everywhere. Wow, what a prince. Um, he was also in fucking Scream, girl. He was. Yeah, he was. He was. The, the, the boyfriend that was though. there for like two minutes. Oh yeah, whatever. you know I sat straight up when I saw him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> um, but 
But, yeah, yeah I think the ending is really good, as you said. Yes. Like, there's some crazy shit in there. I literally remember turning to Cornelia in the theater because we were like, we're like, oh, okay, good movie, good movie. And then the crazy shit happens at the end with, like, some special effects, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And we literally looked, turned to each other and I literally, like, thumbs up. We were like, yeah. <laughs> Great, good, good job. Good, I was like, uh, nice, solid. Um, but yeah, it's I think streaming it's streaming on Paramount Plus. Also, it is streaming on Paramount that. Plus. It's a movie that 100%, like, it's one of those movies that feel like you really have to, like, plead its case because it's, like, most people, I think, casual moviegoers, casual horror watchers, or people that, like, whatever, like, that see that they're like well, we're gonna go pay money to fucking watch that like or whatever like i'm not gonna it's like no i promise you like i know girl i was there like i saw it i too thought that that was that's garbage and if i wasn't a huge horror fan i absolutely would not go fucking see this um but i'm like i'm promising you that trailer is doing it so dirty like it's it good really it's genuinely scary it doesn't feel like there's like a lot of just like bad cgi you know cheap jump scares like it's it's good um so i would also recommend smile for sure amazing um okay my fourth which there's a lot to be said about it i will try not to say a lot just because it is a hugely popular film this year i'm sure for many people it is their favorite horror film of the year um which is jordan peele's nope now um obviously this is the third jordan peele um directed film all three thus far have been horror films which i'm a huge fucking fan of i huge fan of Get Out, as are most people, and I might have said this before on the pod, and I will not go into detail, but I was not a fan of Us. I don't hate Us, but I remember being really disappointed with it, because I think, you know, having high hopes from Get Out, and there's things in it that did not work for me, and I found frustrating, so then comes Nope, and, you know, trailer looks fun, blah, 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 like, and I'm really excited, but also I'm like, fuck. Like, I'm so scared because, like, what if it was, like, for me as a as a fan, like, what if I find out that, like, maybe I'm not really a fan of Jordan Peele movies. Like, maybe, like, Get Out was, like, you know, my one that I really liked. And then, like, you know, the, the, the path that his work takes, which is fine and could be other people really like, like, isn't going to be for me and I don't like it. But I was like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to have an open heart, open mind. Oh, my God. When I tell you, I was fucking relieved. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. I was really nervous I wasn't going to be a fan. I really like Nope. For those of you who don't know, it, as I said, Jordan Peele's third movie. It's a horror movie. Um, you know, if if we want to say that, like, I mean, honestly, his first two movies were kind of like body snatcher movies to a certain degree. Um, yeah. You know, with either doppelgangers or, like, people putting their consciousness into other people. <laughs> um, this is his take on kind of like an alien movie slash, like, a big monster movie. I know people were saying that it's Jordan Peele's Jaws, which I think is an interesting and kind of valid comparison Mm -hmm. um it stars the one and only miss kiki palmer who i fucking adore um also daniel kalua again uh brandon paria who i believe he was on oh god he was on like that netflix show that everyone fucking loved fuck oh the oa um i think that was what he was known for prior to this um steven yun is in it um all giving great performances and yeah it just it takes place on a ranch that is the um first and i think only black owned horse ranch in hollywood Mm -hmm. so they like rent out their horses for different productions that is like our setting and our characters um and they're being suddenly plagued by what can only be described and to be as vague as possible is an alien entity in the area in the sky because it's an alien um and they essentially are trying to figure out what it is but also 
capture it on tape so that they can make money off of obviously being the first people to really capture like like and in good quality an alien spaceship whatever on tape um and the whole movie is kind of like um like commentary on like the spectacle or like you know the way that people like kind of like view like make spectacles out of things whether like you're the person that's making the spectacle you're the person that's like viewing the spectacle um so there's all different storylines. There's a storyline with a with a monkey that's fucking insane and really monkey. scary. It's really you good. I love that monkey. I don't give a fuck. I know you do, girl. I love that monkey. <laughs> um, but yeah, the and side. it's. I was reading some articles, and this is, what I was, this is one of the things that bothered me about us briefly was that I don't. I have no. I love when horror movies have layers for sure. When there's deeper meaning, when you can like really read into something, blah blah. Like I think that with any movie, that's really fun. Um, whether the director intended it or not. What I don't like is, like, if I if I watch a movie, I can't really even enjoy it or, like, fully, comp- like, get it unless I do required reading afterward. Mm-hmm. That annoys me. And that's kind of how I felt to a certain degree with Us, where with Nope, you can straight out just enjoy it. It's really fun. I think the score is really fucking great. There's a sequence with um, Daniel Kaluuya, like, riding on a horse, and this score fucking kicks in, and it's, oh, my God, it's, like, one of the best moments, I think, in film of the fucking year. Um... But I did some reading afterward because I was like, I understood. Like, I can just watch this and enjoy this movie, but I, I, I'm curious. Um, and it was really interesting. So I would honestly recommend people to, like, look into it. Like, people just writing these articles about, like, you know, the spectacle of it all and, like, comparing the monkey to the alien thing and to, like, the different characters and their relation to spectacle. Even the horse blah, blah. shows. Exactly. Um so yeah, to be as vague as possible, if you still have not seen Nope, um, which it is now streaming on Peacock Premium, if you are a Peacock Premium subscriber. Um, but yeah, I think some of the best you know performances of the year. Um, I think it's an incredible third film for Jordan Peele, and it, it once again makes me so fucking excited to see whatever he chooses to do next. Yeah, I mean, I think he's an incredible filmmaker, and I... It's funny that I know that you don't like us particularly. I really love Get Out and I really loved Us. Mm-hmm. I would say I do really like Nope, but if I had to organize them in a rank, Nope would be my least favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, you know, still I still like it more than I like the best films of other directors. You know, yeah. it's it's still super great. Um, I think part of that's probably just because, you know, I'm not really an alien kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, everything that you said, is so spot on. He always infuses some level of social commentary into all of his films, which just elevate them a lot, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And he does that. And I also think that, without saying anything, he does his own unique spin on what it means to be an alien. Yes. And I feel like, you know, there have been a million alien films out there. It's kind of always the same cookie-cutter formula for like what an alien is what an alien looks like what an alien does and jordan peele was like i'm gonna make my version of what i think an alien is and it's not necessarily what i was going and hoping for but that's on me because what it is is incredibly original and creative and unique and scary and just because it wasn't what i was hoping for doesn't mean that it's not as impressive as it is um so you know he always is driving in, like, a lane completely by himself. Like, doing such original things I could not think of. And that's why he's such an amazing filmmaker. 
Um, and Kiki Palmer is probably one of the most charming people working in Hollywood today. Oh, I just, like, yeah. could watch her do literally anything. I could just watch her sit there and paint her nails. Like, I don't care. She's so, like, you're just drawn to her. She's fucking like, magnetic. Everybody like... in the film is excellent, but, like, when she's on screen, my eyes are on her. I'm watching her. 100%. I think it has debatably maybe the scariest for me horror scene of the year. Um, it was I a scene that in the theater, like, truly, and I went to see this by my, like, I wasn't in theater alone, but I went by myself to see it, and my jaw was just open. I was open, like, like in horror. But, like, I was, like, and I was, like, kind of, like, gripping the arms of the chair and, like, slightly looking away, but, like, I couldn't. Um, and I will say nothing else, um, but, like, I was just, like, holy fuck. Like, there has been, it's been, I feel like, a minute since, like, something has truly, like, I feel like touched my soul and made my stomach turn in like the worst way um but <laughs> also the that. best way at the same time um but yeah huge note fan over here yeah I don't think the Jordan Peele will make anything less than excellent yeah I, I just really I, his standards are so high that yeah I, I'm always expecting great shit and I can't wait for the next one um oh my god and my last one okay <laughs> my last pick is my favorite film of the year which I feel like Typically, my favorite film of the year is usually something horror-related. I think, was it rental last year or was it two years ago? God. Was last year? No. Was it? it? I, think it I think it was two years ago. Was it really in our first special? Who, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Honestly, it's just, it's just the time is flying. Um, I know. This is a movie that I believe did have a theatrical release because I remember people like Christine saw it in theaters and like were like, oh yeah, it was really good. Uh, but I missed it, and then it dropped on Shutter, and I went in not knowing yes. a single thing about it. I was just like, "Whatever this is, I'm gonna watch it because it's been on my radar." I was floored by how much I loved and connected to this film, and it is Watcher, starring again Micah Monroe mm -hmm. and Burn Gorman, who I know from Game of Thrones. He's very scary looking. He really freaks me out. Um, and the premise of this film is that she is a young American actress who is married to uh, a man from Romania who gets a job back in Romania, so they both move there for his work. She is currently unemployed, so she's kind of just, like, living day to day in Romania, trying to adapt to the culture, you know, decorate their home and stuff. Um, but there is a Romanian serial killer on the loose who is beheading women, and that is kind of just always on the news and she's watching it in Romanian and she doesn't understand what they're saying but you know she can get that vibe and suddenly she sees one night pretty early on that there is a man in the apartment building across from her sitting in the shadows just watching her and as the film progresses she begins to see him more places and begins to get more paranoid and believes that this man is stalking her and watching her and she's trying desperately to get anybody to listen to her uh, because she is afraid for her life and that's all I'm really going to say plot wise um, I just think that any woman or just any person in general who has ever walked down the street alone at night and felt like somebody was watching you or following you it is a very primal fear that I don't really think you can explain it's just something you have to experience and I felt it the entire time I watched the movie, I was just on the edge of my seat, so tense. It's incredibly unnerving. And I think you follow her the whole time. So, like, it has such a very specific point of view from her perspective the whole time. 
and the people around her, like her husband and his friends, speak in Romanian. They give you no subtitles so that you are fully immersed in the same position that she's in. You're watching all these things happen to her, so you know she's telling the truth. But, you know, it's that kind of like Rosemary's Baby of it all, of like, nobody really believes you and you're being gaslit and you're just desperately wanting this woman to be heard. And so it's so stressful. And I feel like a lot of the movies we've talked about, the third act kind of goes off, but there's, I'm not going to say what it is, but there's a cut in this film that I think is one of the best just like moments of editing where you see an image, it's a reveal, but it's so quick and they cut right at the moment where you see it. So it takes your brain like an extra second or two to register what you just saw. And you're like, is that, oh, and it's just so scary. And it makes, because you can show that reveal in any way. And I've seen it a million times, but to cut right when your eye catches it made it 10 times more terrifying. Uh, I obviously won't say what it was, but it, uh, it's just kind of the vibe of the whole film. Just very tense, very stressful. <sighs> the second time I watched it, obviously I was a lot calmer because I knew what was coming. Um, and I was able to appreciate a lot of the cinematography a lot more in the second viewing because I think it's really beautifully shot. But it's also directed by Chloe Acuno, who is a female director. Mm -hmm. uh, she did the short film Slut, which I have not seen, but I really I want have to see. seen, and it's I enjoyed it. Um, she's I think she's up and coming. She's gonna be she's gonna do really great things. I mean, I think Watcher is a great first feature from her. Um, mm -hmm. And I think based on, you know, the, the subject matter of the short film Slut and the subject matter of Watcher, she's clearly a female director who's really, it, it seems important to her to be telling horror stories in which the narrative is centered around, like, women and kind of like, you know, the standards put on them or, you know, a lot of times like men or the world's conceptions of them and you know when women say this like they they're really this or blah blah, blah instead yeah. of just like taking a woman for, like at her word um so very feminist horror films which i'm obviously very much a fan of um i mean once again yeah michael monroe is fantastic in it i think every scene she's wearing an insanely beautiful outfit like i'm always oh, like yeah. girl she's <laughs> dressing um and yeah, I mean, I think you described it perfectly. I think it really encapsulates, I mean, the choice to not have subtitles, like, in the film for when they're speaking a different language. Like, they really, really, it's interesting because they really, really isolate you with her, um, yes. which is really, you know, effective. Um, and I think also as you watch it as, an, as a female audience member, like, you really feel for her. Because as you said, sure, anyone can feel these things. I think a lot of times, statistically, it's more often that it's women where it's like, you feel maybe a little more unsafe walking home alone or, like, feeling that somebody's watching you or feeling like, especially if it's a man, like, is out to cause you harm or, you know, you know, physical danger because it's like, you know, men fucking do fucked up shit to women all the time for no reason just because they get off on it. Like, so it's just like, it isn't out of the question if a random man was, like, looking at me weird that I'd be like, I don't fucking know. He could literally just be like, I just want to fucking put that woman's head on a stick just to do it. Like, some fucking, back, you know, Patrick Bateman shit. Yep. Like, um, so, yeah, it's really effective. And I think something that's interesting, though, is that in the film, they, they, um, this, I, I won't spoil anything, but, like, a lot of times, like, when these things are happening, 
where like she's experienced something or she's seeing something or she's feeling a certain way and she tells her husband like yeah like that isolates her in the sense like he doesn't really believe her he doesn't like outwardly go like you're lying or anything but, like he minimizes he yeah he minimizes he just kind of you know at first would be like what what and then it's like kind of trying to talk her down from it like you know i think it'll be fine blah blah, blah. meanwhile like he goes off to work and leaves her alone all day and it's like motherfucker what um and i think the, the shit you said about that specific cut like that I won't even add to it because, yeah, 100%, I felt the same exact way. But I even think it gets to a certain point in the movie where, like, yeah, I mean, I'm not to throw around a term I feel like that's thrown around a lot now and, like, a lot of times with the best intention or the worst, like, isn't always used correctly. Um, but there is a sense of gaslighting in the sense, I think, when you – not even for – I won't even think of her specifically, but almost as you watch as an audience member because, as I said, you're with her, you're isolated with her. But then, like, it's a lot, a lot – it's a very slow burn. So there's a lot of time where it's like she's getting really nervous and blah blah but because once again like yeah sure you're watching with her you're feeling those things but it's not real it's not happening to you that there becomes this sense and it's a movie where you're like but what if it is nothing you know, know. Where, where you're yeah. like what if what if she is like i don't and it's like and they fucking gaslight you because they're like and then you have to step back and you're like no fuck i'm not gonna be that person like i, I have to believe her bitch. yeah yeah um well, at least as a fucking female audience member you well, experience because that and i think I that's think... really interesting to see in a film yeah because i think a lot of moments in the movie people are trying to kind of make convince her that she's overreacting and that yeah. she's not really seeing the things that she's seeing or it's not really you know she's putting way too much weight into it and so it the film kind of does that to us as well to make us doubt like well maybe she is or maybe i am just thinking that but like but no 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 i have to trust what i'm being shown but like can you always trust what you're being shown in a film you never know. I know. And, and, and to play back into that, I'm sure, you know, it, it's also what her character is feeling because, you know, she's also being told, like, girl, relax. Like, nothing is yeah. going on. And, of course, then it's like, oh, my God, like, is this something else? Like, is it because, like, you know, maybe I'm just being left alone too much, my imagination, like, I'm in a new place, and I'm, like, ruining it. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting dance that's being played because they give you just enough information. Like, they're, like, it's on the news in the movie, like, some bitches out there killing bitches like the spider yeah like so it's like that's not made up like that's happening but then right. it's like you know it is it really like i could watch fucking dateline and see somebody right. killing somebody and it's like you know if i started being like that guy's in my neighborhood that guy's in my neighborhood you know some people right. would probably be like girl he's not like you're you're making shit up in your head but yeah it's i think it's a great first feature i i'm really I, excited to absolutely. see what she puts out you know next uh and i'm i'm definitely a supporter i'm a fan Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Wrap it up, bitch. Let's go. My last movie. Woo! I'll try to keep it brief because we have a little no, bit good. more to get through. It's um, directed also by a woman. Hello. Miss Mimi Cave. Um, it is Fresh, which was very early on this year it was released. It's on Hulu if you'd like to watch. Starring Miss um, Daisy Edgar Jones, who you may know from a plethora of things this year where the crawdads sing there was something else and i can't remember normal people was normal the tv people. show she was yes. on with paul mescal yes um, she was excellent in that and <laughs> sebastian stan i am not a sebastian stan i am a sebastian stan <laughs> um i i don't really care about marvel at all but like him as the winter soldier i would let him put that metal arm up my ass <laughs> and pop all at right. me um <laughs> Anyways, um, I this love him. This is the day after Christmas. Take it down a And notch. you know what? <laughs> Santa, let me get the bad shit out of the way now. I gotta get it out early so then when it gets close to Christmas here, I'm good. Um, this is my grace period. It's like the grace period after your Spotify wrap where anything you listen to between now and right. the new year like, won't count. Um, that's what this feels like. So I can say anything. Um, Lord of mercy. 
Anyways, I'm a Sebastian Stan fan. I mean, I think he's very handsome and yada yada. I, I think he's a good actor as well. I've seen him in, you know, several things. I mean, I think he's great in I, Tanya. Um, I think he, now, of course, I'm like, he's great in all these things. I can't remember anything else he's in right now. <laughs> you know, Pam and Tommy, like, you know, controversial show. And I won't say that I really, like, love the show or anything, but I think he did a good job in it. Um, anyways, getting off track. Um, Fresh is a movie about, um, essentially, Daisy Edgar Jones' character, who um, is a young woman living in the city and dating fucking sucks because men fucking suck. And, like, she's trying dating apps. She can't get a date. She's fucking over it. You know, she talks to her best friend about it, blah, blah, blah. And then in every girl's dream, who, like, in many ways, like me, are like, bitch, I'm not getting on the dating apps. Like, I don't want to meet someone on an app. And that's not to dig because I know a lot of people in my life who have met their partner. And people that are married, people they met on apps. And there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, in my head, I'm like, I'm above that. Anyways. So she kind of is over that and has a meet cute in a fucking supermarket with none other than Sebastian Stan. And it's like, oh my God, lucky, lucky girl. Um, and of course, then they start hitting it off and blah, blah. And, and like, of course, like her friend's cautious for her because she should be. She's like, girl, you don't fucking know this man. And then in a classic dumb white woman move, she, you know, after knowing him for some amount of time, they're like, you know, dating would be considered they're gonna have a romantic getaway at this little like i don't i can't remember if it's like something he rents or if it's his house but essentially a a nice fucking modern house in the woods they're gonna have a getaway there's gonna be no service whatever (laughs) and so if you're watching this and you're like now this is dumb bitch 101 what are we doing um and as once again a horror fan a woman a movie watcher a human being everybody is like girl why? Why do you do it? And so you know something's going to go wrong. You don't know what, and I'm saying this, like, you don't, you don't know what you in. And once again, you're most likely, you might be able to predict if you're really trying. Like, if, if you look at the if, poster of the film, maybe. If you really try to read it, I mean, the poster now, because originally the poster was not what it is now. Oh, um, is it? Okay. So, but, you know, that was the beginning of the year. If you're like Alex, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I, once again, I just, like, watch this. It's he's it's uh, there's so much that can be said that i won't say it's in, insane so essentially like shit goes wrong for her as you can predict i won't say in what capacity and then of course she is stuck in a place with this guy and things are going truly nightmare mode and she has to essentially try to escape from this man um and they really play into like the craziness of the specific situation they play into you know the dynamic of him and her because of course he's a fucking psycho he's sorry this is not a spoiler he's a man in this horror movie like he's a psycho he's like he is um and they really play well i think with like the the emotional manipulation and blah blah blah, and like it, it is one thing i would say a feminist horror film um and of course you have like you know there's many dynamics you've seen before and it's interesting how they play with them like you have your your daisy Edgar jones like final girl to a certain degree you have your bad guy sebastian stan you have the best friend character that kind of like um someone to get out which we we're talking about earlier with little rel how the fuck do you say his name little Lil rel howry little rel howry i always feel like it's a tongue twister i have a hard time with all l's and r's because i had trouble with them as a child so his name is truly my nightmare yeah Lil um, rel howry but him in Get Out, like, being that best friend that, like, just has just enough information about where their mm-hmm. best friend is and what they're doing to then get suspicious and be like, yeah. I might have to insert myself into this situation. Um, but the big thing people were talking about with this film is the title card. 
which you know I feel like we're getting into a day and age now where a lot of people like they like to do like ooh flashy things like I we, me and Abby have been talking about at one point like people that now they put like the title card of the movie right at the end like like they don't mm-hmm. put it in the movie and you know sometimes it's kind of like obnoxious it's like okay um where this the specifically where the title card is chosen to be placed for the first time in the film is really effective because prior to that like because you're so trained to be waiting for it to be like right okay like maybe we get a little bit and then the title card and it's like okay movie starting where they wait just enough time so you're like so like watching everything happen and then and kind of still it's like okay now the movie's starting and it's really effective i just yeah i haven't rewatched this one yet i honestly feel like i really want to before the year's out because i don't know i mean it, it really affected me i was just like so absorbed in it i was like and it helps, I'm sure, that I was, like, you know, tiki ha over Sebastian Stan. But, like, yeah, he, there are deranged things going on in this movie where you're, like, oh, what? That really yeah. disturb. Yeah, I watched it when it came out, like, early in the year. So I definitely do for a rewatch. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really well acted and well made. I thought it was gross at times. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it could have gone further, personally. But, you yeah. know, that's just my psychotic brain. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a really, really well-made film. I think it's scary. I think there's, like, a weird elements of, like, rom-com, even, like, yes. late into the film where you're like, I feel uncomfortable with yeah. this vibe <laughs> right now. What's happening? Um, but, yeah, I mean, you said everything pretty much that I would have said, and I know we have a few more things to get through. So I will just also say I recommend, uh, especially, I think, Daisy's performance. She's yeah, she's great. I'm really excited to see what she does next because product was not really. Well, that was a false disappointed the shit of me because I saw her in Fresh and I, and I haven't seen normal before, yeah. so I was like, okay, Daisy. And then Crawdads was coming out after that, and I was like, I don't know anything about that. Well, before it came out, my Abby and Britta were telling me there's a whole thing. I guess where like I think the author like killed somebody. Oh yeah, I know. Crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. I, won't, I don't know, so I'm not gonna get into it. But I was like, oh. But I was like, I'll see it because like Miss Daisy. And then all I heard was like, this is bad. And then just... I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's bad, Daisy. Get out of here. It's not her fault. It's not her fault. No, um, yeah. But no, she's great. Hopefully fresh she is certified fresh. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> now <laughs> to move on to the next steps to wrap everything up. Um, so, yes. after all that praise and all our favorites of the year, as per usual, when you watch any, you know, plethora of movies in a year, especially as a horror fan, you're bound to watch some that you didn't love, that maybe you didn't like, uh, you know. To avoid the word hate that, you know, we're not just for you. Um, but instead of, you know, taking time to really harp on negative things or bring anybody down, um, we like to do something here where we each pick one of those films for ourselves. And instead of taking the time to really dig into what we didn't like about the film that was released this year, we have each selected a different film by the same director that we did like and that we would like to recommend to you as an audience instead. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Alex, why don't you start? Okay. Well... I, as horror fans, we do kind of just watch as many things as we possibly can. So we do watch a lot of stuff that is not for us. There were plenty of films that I did not care for this year mm-hmm. that I would have easily used for this. But they were either first films yeah. by this director, or I just hadn't seen anything else by the director. Or this director happens to be mostly a comedic director, and he happened to make a third film and an installment of a franchise that I thought was a fucking terrible choice uh if you know what I mean so like that doesn't really work <laughs> you know he's done enough I can shit on him a little bit okay. he's very famous and very well yeah, off he's well mind. off so he doesn't care uh, we're not doing any harm I didn't say any specifics you don't know what I mean exactly um, 
So the film I chose is not a film that I actually think is like that bad. I thought it was fine when I watched it. Um, it didn't really linger with me much. So I, you know, anything under three stars in my like ratings on Letterboxd, I'm kind of like, meh. Three is like yeah. my, that was good. Anything under, eh. So not a terrible film. I am going with a film called I Came By, which is a Netflix film directed by uh, Babak Anvari. It is a film about a graffiti artist who breaks into wealthy people's homes, robs them, and wrote, writes I Came By in graffiti on their wall or on some kind of painting or something. And one home that he breaks into, he discovers something and the film ensues from there. It was fine. It was a great premise. It had some twists I didn't expect, but not something I would necessarily recommend. Instead, I highly recommend a film by this director that came out in 2016 called Under the Shadow. It is a Persian film. Um, the brief description I was Is read. that the one with Boyd Holbrook? No, it is... What the fuck am I thinking of? No, it is uh, fully... It's a foreign language film. It's okay. in Persian. Uh, it follows a mother and a daughter... Um, in the post-revolution war-torn Tehran in the 1980s. And it's essentially a movie about a djinn, which is a an Arabic, uh, like, genie or demon. Um, and it's a haunting film. It's very scary. The atmosphere is spot-fucking-on. I haven't seen it since the first time I watched it, but it has stuck with me ever since. And, yeah, I just, I find it to be very very scary very effective and obviously he has made a name for himself enough that he was able to get a netflix film so fucking good for you but check out one of his early films under the shadow highly recommend okay so my select is um parade for the devil i did not watch this one in theaters although the trailer played in theaters for fucking months this shit got pushed back i feel like i don't know i don't know if necessarily it was covid related but i digress um, it feels like the obligatory possession, the demonic possession film we have to get every year. So I did my obligatory watch. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, directed by Daniel Stam. I believe that's how you pronounce the last name. Okay. Stam, Stam, who knows. Not for me. I won't even get into it because, as I said, it's, it's your run-of-the-mill possession film. It is what it is. But, that's not to dig on possession films or even Daniel Stam possession films. Because I'm going to recommend a different Daniel Stam possession film, which is The Last Exorcism. Nice. Which, That's one of my favorite lines in it. Of, like, any horror film. A blowing job. Oh, Jesus. I love a, I say blowing job all the time. It's so funny. Um, <sighs> it's a really good movie. Um, it's a found footage movie, which obviously I am a fan of. And I think nowadays, like, there's a lot of movies that just get made as found footage for whatever reason. I mean, originally I think found footage movies were made, obviously, because of, like, low budget. But now you have, like, big studios that make found footage movies, like that make no fucking sense being a found footage movie. They don't even look like found fucking footage. Like, like at one point, like, someone's holding a camera, and it's, like, everyone's on screen. And you're like, who the fuck's holding the camera? Like, stupid shit like that that pisses me off. Last Exorcism, great found footage horror movie. It really builds tension well. Um, it's legitimately scary at times. It, like, really goes crazy at the end. But effectively the most is because it follows, like, a group of people that are kind of trying to prove that, like, exorcisms are not real. Like, mm -hmm it's all kind of fake so it is this kind of like we're documenting this so it makes sense and i appreciated that he isn't a director that's just like let's just do found footage to do found footage because pray for the devil is not found footage even though it's another Good. possession movie and it, it would have no right to be because it would make no sense to be found footage so i really recommend the last exorcism it is also it's also on a peacock premium if you want to watch nice. it um 
yeah really fun only 87 fucking minutes so it's delicious high rack high rack so maybe not pray for the devil but certainly the last exorcist yeah i'm not really a huge possession fan um even though i just recommended a movie about a gin um but i do really enjoy the last exorcism i think it's very spooky um to wrap this up would you like to each pick one movie to talk maybe briefly about and then we could just like maybe rapid fire a couple because okay. i have so many um okay so what i would like to pitch that i'm excited for next year i was doing some research to see what was coming out because i'm so out of the loop i feel like lately um and i came across a film that by premise was exciting but then when i saw who was directing it my excitement like ramped up even more uh which is a film called spaceless which is a sci-fi film coming out around christmas next year um the premise says a man wakes up inside a spacesuit tumbling helplessly through space with a computer designed to keep him company until his air runs out, trying to solve the mystery of his death. What? Yeah, and it's directed by Gore Verbinski, who does, like, he's just such a very specific style of director. He did Cure for Wellness in his most recent film. Um, he did you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean films. He did The Ring. Like, Gore Verbinski will take this, like, really weird, creepy isolated concept and he's gonna do so many weird fucking things with it I, he's such a weird director i cannot wait and you know space just terrifies me in general right. so yeah spaceless next 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 winter we'll see if it's as scary as i think it's gonna be i've never even heard of that yeah it's in pre-production right now so it doesn't even really have like much info on cast yet hmm yeah that's the one that like really stuck out to me um, the one that stuck out to me, there's more than one, and it's specifically, well, not specifically, it was already kind of on my radar for certain reasons, which I'll get to, but specifically because of a casting announcement that was just made within the last week, Bridget literally runs to the kitchen, she's like, I have to tell you something, you're gonna love it, and sometimes I get nervous, <laughs> because I'm like, she's gonna tell me that, like, Pedro Pascal is, like, booked for something, and I can't take <laughs> anymore right now, like, I need to be able to breathe, um, but it is the... Five Nights at Freddy's movie coming yes. out from the house. <laughs> um, Josh Hutcherson was already cast in it. And I think truly in the past few years when he's really gotten into, like, doing comedy, mm -hmm. I genuinely think he's such a fucking funny comedic actor. Like, he's so funny. I love him. Um, but Matthew Lillard has just yep. been cast <laughs> in the Five Nights at Freddy's movies. Bitch! Oh, I was going home crazy. I was like, <laughs> because here's the thing. I know people are really into Five Nights at Freddy's, and this is not a dig. I'm not particularly one of them, but... When Five Nights at Freddy's, the first original game came out, I think I've talked about it before on here. So I I don't play video games in general, like nothing against them. I just like they stress me out. Um, but I love, I've always loved watching horror video games. I mean, The Last of Us is my favorite thing in the whole fucking world, which y'all don't even fucking know. My pussy's about to bust in half watching this fucking show. I, I, you have no idea. Like literally imagine your favorite thing in the fucking world and then your other favorite thing in the fucking world like, from two different times in your life coming together. Bitch, holy fuck, I almost imploded. <laughs> Anyways, I'll just say, when Five Nights at Freddy's first came out, I'm a I really only watch, like, like, one YouTuber, which is Markiplier. Anyone that watches him or knows, he's very big. I love him. I think he's a wonderful person. I think he's very entertaining. He did Five Nights at Freddy's playthroughs, and I watched them, 
And I really like them. And there's, like, now, from my understanding, there's, like, 20 fucking Five Nights at Freddy's games. Because there's, like, I think, like, official canon ones. Mm -hmm. There's, like, fan-made spinoffs, like, where it's, like, different locations and different animatronics. And, like, there's lore to it. Like, I know when the most recent one came out, like, bitches had slideshows to be, like, this is how this happened here, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's really fun. I'm not going to read all that and do all that. I'm so happy for you guys. All that to say, I'm not, like, the world's biggest Five Nights at Freddy's fan, but I have love for Five Nights at Freddy's pre, I think, it becoming, like, for some people, like, an annoying little boy thing. Um, So I'm excited. I'm really excited. Give me scary fucking Chuck E. Cheese-ass animatronics. Give me Matthew Lillard. I think it's because Matthew Lillard's in it and also because Josh Hutcherson's in it. I think it's going to be funny. Um, And it is directed by a woman, supposedly. It's going to be directed by uh, Emma Tammy, who um, she directed – there was one thing she directed that I recognized, but I don't know if I saw it, but she directed two of the Into the Darks. Okay. She directed um, the, the, the werewolf one with the mom and the son, yep. and then she directed Delivered. Legend. Yes. Um, so clearly she's worked with Blumhouse before, and okay. it's clearly a good working relationship, but yes. I'm excited nice. for Five Nights at Freddy's, so do you want a quick rapid fire? Yeah, rapid fire. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll go back Similar vein. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and the Honey. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> They can, I don't um, know. I love Winnie the Pooh. I'm scared. I'm ready. Uh, sick, written by Kevin Williamson. Oh, yes. Good choice. I'm so excited. Uh, Insidious 5, directed by Patrick Wilson. Oh, my fucking God. I fucking forgot. Yes. Um, Knock at the Cabin, M. Night Shyamalan. Not a huge mm-hmm. M. Night fan, but I did read the book, so I'm really curious to see it adapted to the screen. I'm going to read the book. I have it. Uh, Saw 10, baby, because I'm a fucking psychopath. A scream 6, girl. You got any more? Yeah, Bo, is, more. A, Bo is Afraid by Ari Aster, starring Oh, yes, that, which was originally Disappointments Boulevard. Yes. Um, Season of Passage, I have the book. Mm. Um, God forgive me, the author is a, a well-known horror author. I can't think of his name right now. But it's being adapted by Mike Flanagan uh, as a film. Yes. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark 2 at some point is supposed to come out. Um, I can't wait. Megan? Um, Megan? Megan? Uh, Ma- Maxine, we brought it up earlier. Yes, Final Destination 6. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what one last one I'll say? Um, Video Nasty. It's going to be directed by um, Jonathan Levine, who okay, yeah. um, he hasn't really done a lot of horror. He did Warm Bodies, but he does a lot of comedy, a lot of Seth Rogen comedy. Yes. The movie is going to be produced by Seth Rogen. Um, I like Seth Rogen. But I read the script for this. It might have changed at some point, but I read the script this past year for it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was fun. I'm really excited to see it. And, you know, oh. based on, you know, how scripts change there might be things that make it even better by the time it gets to the screen but like mm-hmm. the the idea is that uh it centers around three teens who rent a cursed vhs and are pulled into an 80s slasher movie that threatens to trap them forever yeah uh, absolutely i want that yeah i want that so for sure. and i don't I, I don't not think seth rogan is funny so i think seth rogan's pretty funny yeah I so those are things we're excited for and we're really whew, <laughs> we packed it all in there jesus christ yeah um anyways uh yeah that is the wrap up of 2022 horror for the girls who cried be horror. And check out those movies if you haven't seen them because they're all excellent. They're fantastic, and you know a great way to ring in the new year. Um, so thank you so much once again, as always, yada yada yada, for being listeners of our podcast, for sticking with us for another year, or for joining us this year, or joining us as we enter the new year. Anything under the sun, we're really appreciative of. We love doing this podcast; it's really fun for us. Um, just to talk into a void and maybe maybe little creeps hear it sometimes. Um, thank you. We hope you had a fantastic, eventful, wonderful 2022, and we hope nothing but the best for you in 2023. And we have a great episode coming out at the top of the month for 2023 that we're really excited about. Um, so stay on the lookout for that. And as always, 
keep it creepy. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.